Oh snap. We live. We live. Chris, we live. We Dion, live. we live. Oh snap. Oh, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to Pin the Gas Podcast. It's the podcast where we cater to your motorcycle racing information needs and desires. As always, I am Julius, cool Jules Fastanis, and that is Chris, the whole effing show Simcoe. And you know, coming all the way from South Africa, man. From you, me, and MotoGP, my man Dion. Dion, welcome to pin the gas and the reason why i made you me moto gp the, the intro instead of giving you a nickname is because that is your brand that is you guys and usually when people have brands like uh like track stars i kind of like to let that name show so hey man welcome to the show bro guys thank you very much that was an awesome intro i'm definitely <laughs> gonna use it i think i'm just gonna take that little snippet and use it as our as our podcast intro. yeah thanks so you mean MotoGP, uh, our podcast. Thank you for, for the lovely introduction. It's, it's nice chatting to you guys. Really looking forward to it. Dude, it yeah. is awesome having you here. We, we we are the fortunate ones, man. Trust. Yep. Yep. What an honor it is, Dion. Me and Dion's had several conversations. And, man, yeah. it's, it's uh, And I tell him all the time what an honor it is to sit down and do this and, and have this chat and uh, continue in, in the future being friends and progressing and helping each other grow and yeah all that good stuff that comes along with it maybe one day we could be on you me and moto gp show definitely guys we will put that in the works uh we 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 we're making some changes and uh, we'll definitely get you guys on there looking forward to it absolutely i am looking forward to tearing up the south african market ain't that right chris that's right <laughs> If if we aren't doing so now, I, I I don't know if you've seen Dion, but uh, Chris sends me the analytics of uh, what goes on in our Spotify, and man, we we get downloads more outside the U.S. than in here, which is pretty counterintuitive because it's like we're trying to breach the American market. What the? I am so glad you mentioned that because we're sitting with the exact same problem. Maybe we should swap listeners because most of our listeners are sitting in the states. So no I don't way. know how this is happening. Yeah, so most of our fan base is sitting in the States if you look at our athletics. So maybe this is then a very good start, I believe, to to sharing some listeners. Um, you guys getting some uh, guys from the States and other ways around. So yeah, it is actually interesting how that works. And I was telling Chris before the show, it's, it's scary as new podcasters or uh, people new in the industry, how, how closely you monitor that. And every new download and every new stream is just like a rush. It's very exciting. It is. It's. It's. You get this. I get this surge of adrenaline, man, and it's just like it's. It's unlike any other feeling in the world, man. It's. It's. It's because it's. It's such a dream um, to be able to do this to connect with all the people you've been fans with, and it's. It's unbelievable. I mean, it really is, and it consumes me. Yeah, Chris watches our analytics like it's the Nasdaq, bro. Like he he pays attention to things like a stock. It's like the stock market. I do. But yeah, Dion, man. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I wanted to say you have to. You don't have to, but Chris and I was having a quick chat before at Jules, and I think it's it's partly because of the ADHD a little bit. So we we tend to hyper focus yeah. on a few things, and then we those analytics become everything. Uh, Shanae, my partner, that does you mean MotoGP with me. Unfortunately, she couldn't join us, but she she gives me time. She just says, "Baby, please." down the phone for an hour i need you to focus on me Le leave the stats for an hour what a 
what, what, what a lovely voice she is. I, I was listening to a couple of your uh, your shows, and I was just like, yep. man, what a dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- w- which is why I was, I was going to come after it a little bit. Dion, who, what, what is you Miyamoto GP, and who is your partner? Oh, so you Miyamoto GP is a, a couple uh, that found themselves in a in a love triangle with with Moto GP. Um, <laughs> Shanae, it is. It is the dream, actually, for me as a MotoGP fan. Chennai is a new MotoGP fan. When I say new, for the last two years, we've been dating for about three and a half, four years now. And me, obviously, being in love with MotoGP, she she started getting into it as well. And then we used to listen to a bunch of podcasts. And it's like, guys, it's very we, we love podcasts. That's all we listen to when we get into any car. It's Spotify on podcasts. And just sat in the car one day and I said. There's so much technical information and so much technical podcast out there. And this one's doing this and tires this and aero this. And I said, what about just having like a social show where we just chat and chat about rider personalities and chat about things that's not technical. Uh, played into it because Shanae is quite new in, in, in MotoGP. Mm-hmm. Uh, that played right into us doing the, the lighter side of it. And we just enjoy it and we get... I honestly get the same vibe from you guys. We just enjoy motorcycle racing. It's That's nice sitting saying, out bro. and having a chat. And it's honestly, it's awesome being able to do that with my partner. So sitting down for an hour and just chatting motorcycle racing, what what's better in the world? Oh man, dude, that that, nothing, that that's everything. Like yeah. that literally is everything. What what my what my one of my goals uh for next year is to hopefully have enough of a following at least in america to have a motor gp like like, a moto gp viewing party right where we can like chop it up get food wings well i I don't know if you have wings at nine in the morning but like you know just like just like me like meeting each other and just like having a beer or, or, or whatever and make it a pastime like people here in the u.s they talk baseball a lot you know they gather around get their peanuts get their snacks and then they'll they'll drink they'll drink beer and it's just a good old freaking time right for an incredibly boring sport sorry for all you guys who are a fan of baseball but it's incredibly boring moto gp is way more exciting and i would like to create that atmosphere for this sport that, that is that is fact and it seems like I don't know if you what is and I'm gonna offend a few people here, but I'm just gonna say I don't know what's wrong with the world's population. There are so many people following sports that are so boring. It's like if you watch the Moto Three race today, the Motor GP race, Motor GP is actually so exciting. Even versus Formula One or other motorsports, it's so exciting the on track action. So we've got a similar problem in South Africa. A lot of people follow cricket and rugby. I'm actually personally a big mm. rugby fan as well, which is fine. But I just always feel, I look at these people like, guys, if you just know how exciting the sport is. And I just want to, in my opinion, coming from a from a, a bigger guy, there's no right time for wings. It's any time, but facts. You, could, you could always have wings. Facts, Dion. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, yeah, 9 a.m., count me in, baby. I'm Dude. in. Do, do do they do that in in South Africa? Like is is like is like a wing night like a, a thing, or is that like a, a fat American thing? Uh, it is. I don't want to call it a thing. I don't think it's as big as in America, but uh, we do love wings. A lot of our restaurants sell wings, and you know Thank South God. Africans love to to bry. So if we get an opportunity, we we throw some wings on the bry and have a few beers or brandies and coke like we do here in South Africa. 
uh, we the country that really loves socializing so any chance we get we will we will have a beer and have some wings so yeah oh man there's nothing there's nothing like having a a, a beer and wings which chris that's going to be us in new jersey man beer and wings bro that's it that's it yeah it, you great. know dion to, to touch on the other sports the only really other sport i really watch is uh soccer i like soccer um the real football right chris is a european trapped in a southern american body facts <laughs> yeah facts um, I'm glad you said it, Jules, because it's uh, <laughs> if you gave me a million guesses, I would not have pinned you as a soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. Guys. That's what I'm uh, saying. How did that happen, if I might ask? Do what? Uh, how did that happen, if I might ask? How did you, uh-huh. is it just something you picked up? Well, uh, when I was little, man, I, I played a lot of soccer. That's where I fell in love with, with the game of soccer. Um, and yeah, I just I just watch you know I watch football every once in a while, but honestly, the only time I watch football is the Super Bowl. That's oh it. yeah, I'm like, Super Bowl. I'm like, who who who's in the Super Bowl? Okay, I guess I'll go for them, right? I mean, it's Super amazing. Whatever. I don't watch baseball; it's boring, just like you guys said. Golf is kind of cool, man, but again, you know, I don't want to watch it. I'd rather play it on my PlayStation, right? Tiger Woods, baby, golf, yeah, oh, right. Uh, I love playing golf. Right. Uh, it's yeah. Other than that, man, it's it's dude. My life revolves around motorcycle racing, BSB, Australian Superbike, man, all of them. TT, the Macau, Southern One Hundred, Moto America, yada yada yada. Northern Italian Cup. If it, yeah, Northern Cal. If it's not two wheels, man, but like I said, I just I hyper focus, and that's my love, my passion, and that's what I hyper focus on. Anything else is hard. Okay, you know, and can I can I ask you a question? Yeah, start with the controversial ones. Yeah, if yeah. one not a fan, am I F one motor fan? Yeah. Oh, you yes, I, I do. Uh, it's. Man, again, it's hard to watch Dion, right? It's it's uh it's boring. Um, there's hardly any passes. You got that stupid DRS button, pass button, and Red Bull sweeping the season. Like, yeah, it, it, my favorite F1 driver right now um is uh Daniel Ricardo. I've always liked Daniel Ricardo since he's he come into F1. I like his style, and I like Lando Norris too. Um, Lando's dope. Of course, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's the goat of F one in in our day and age, right? Um, maybe possibly mm-hmm. the greatest of ever. So we'll see. But yes, F one is it's good. Uh, actually, watching Drive to Survive is better than watching the real Formula One race, if I may be honest, right? That, that is a fact. I think the 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 um, being able to the ability to hold a conversation about F one is a lot more entertaining than actually watching it you know what i'm saying so it's like if you if you watch drive to survive and you watch highlights or or the majority of the race it and and able to like hold a conversation buy the merchandise and just like look like you you eat sleep and breathe the sport i feel like that's the more entertaining side than actually sitting down on a sunday and watching a full race like i i cannot for the life of me just sit there and watch 72 laps I, i i can't I agree with you. I think that's the flip of the coin. I think that's where MotoGP is getting wrong. MotoGP's on act, on track action is a million times better. The racing is a million times better. The commercial side of it is not as big as F1. But like you say, if, if you, the general person in the street after drives to survive can speak about F1 because they've created such a narrative around that sport. It, it made it interesting. They they created, didn't create, they, they showed the personalities of the drivers. It created something special. 
to to watch. But if you actually sit down and watch the F1 race, it's pretty boring in in, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It has its it, moments, but I, I this is how I structure Formula One. Hey, shut up. So this <laughs> my little husky back is I'll watch the first ten laps, right, and then I see who's in front. I I, I leave and I eat breakfast or whatever, what have you. Come back when it's midway. Watch it like three to five laps midway. Leave, watch something else, and then come back the last five laps. And it doesn't change. It's Red ah. Bull, Max Verstappen in front. <laughs> he has something to say about F1 too, don't he? <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming he's a Lewis Hamilton fan. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I I would say she she was probably uh, uh oh, what's that guy's name? The freaking Guy Pearsley. Uh, Nikita Mazepin fan. Yeah, she's Nikita. Russian. She's a Russian yeah. dog. So I was like, damn. <laughs> It's like, oh, my Russian master ain't racing anymore. He was so trash, by the way. But that's hilarious. Yeah, that's that. that that's how I. But like when I watch MotoGP, Moto America, World Superbike, especially World Superbike, it's just another level of entertainment because you don't just you're not sitting when, when they do the POV views, right, Dion? And my bad if I'm getting on a tangent here. But when they do POVs on Formula One drivers, this is all you see, right? Like obviously they're doing way more than that, obviously, but. As the casual consumer watching Formula One, this is what they're That's seeing. what you see, right? But then when you watch Form, uh, when you watch MotoGP racers, you see them really struggling around corners, really struggling to keep that bike together, and that just adds to the drama of the sport that Formula One doesn't. the The on track drama in Formula One is the is the banter between driver and pit. That's the only thing that we get that is dramatic. Maybe a couple accidents here and there, but when the race is clean, there's really nothing to watch. <laughs> True, especially these street circuits where, where, where they can't overtake. And I'm speaking about something that I've very little knowledge of actually, but I, I watch the Formula One racing and the street circuits basically ever qualifies first. It's so difficult to overtake for these guys. Like you say, the POV is just them holding a steering wheel. Where, Photos. I, I saw some photos of this of this weekend of Brad Bender in the wet, and that uh, rear tire got in right next to him because he lost traction. And the guy it looks like he's on a rodeo uh, on that mm -hmm. motorbike. So that's, it's really the on-track action MotoGP. I think World Superbike is one of the most underrated uh, superbike or, or uh, motorcycle series. It's, the action is always good. You've got top rack, you've got like so you've got some of the best in the world, and it's, it's such an interesting Mo Motor America. Uh, I have to be honest, I only recently started following Motor America, but the action yes. is just as good. Yes. Just as good. That's what we South Africans. We've got souls. We've got Cam Peterson. We need, we need to, I need to support South Africans. Oh man, sucks for Cam Peterson, bro. Man, yeah. He's, He's legit the coolest guy that I've ever met in the paddock. Like, oh my God. Cam, Cam Peterson, <laughs> Carlo Baldi says, Formula One is so good to sleep on the sofa. <laughs> Cam Peterson legit made my first Moto America experience the greatest. And I can't thank him enough for that. And I'm trying to get him on the show. So please, somebody help us. He'll be on. And then He'll you have Skoltz, who's just a dog. He's uh, awesome. I don't know exactly which part of South Africa they're from. I, I don't know if they're from around the same area. I, I think Peterson said he was around where the Binders are from. No, 
Yeah, so I think Peterson, if I'm correct, is, is Janice McTide and Matthew Skulls is down from Durban, which is coastal on, on the on, on the coast. We were speaking about Durban earlier, a little bit humid, not my favorite place in the world. So I think Matthew Skulls from, from the coast, Durban. Mm. Any cultural differences between the two, or is it relatively the same? Uh, it's, it's very say I want to say very much the same. There are a little bit of cultural differences. Mm -hmm. um but yeah Dur durban is uh predominantly a lot more english-speaking south africans mm. uh, up in Joburg, you find a lot of afrikaans people i don't know if my accent's pulling through but i'm actually uh natively of my home language is afrikaans i'm actually afrikaans voice so i was just gonna ask uh, that yeah so I'm, i am actually my own language is afrikaans but yeah durban a lot of english uh, a, a lot of english-speaking people have a lot of colleagues that come from durban and they're all English and like Afrikaans very much. I don't understand what we're saying when we speak Afrikaans. So, <laughs> yeah, more, more English, but across the country, you get that's the great thing about South Africa. We've got 11 official languages, we've got people of wow. all different sizes and colors, and there's so many different people here. That's why I call us the Rainbow Nation. It's like you can, in, in one town, you'll find six different cultures, different languages, and different. So it's really a variety of people in the country. That's awesome. I, man, I would love to come and visit one day for sure. It's uh, dude, I would love to go. I'd love to go, man. Yeah. Cause yo, before before I met the wonderful, amazing 100 percent perfect girlfriend that I have now, I was speaking to a couple of women from South Africa. So I was like, <laughs> if all else fails, head down to SA. <laughs> but it's awesome. What, what's the what's the motorbike culture like over there? Like, is it is it attractive at all or is it just people right here or there it is it's i don't want to call it clicky is not the right word because clicky makes it sound like they exclude a certain amount of people but it's it there, there is people that enjoy motorcycles and motorcycle racing if they do it's a big part of their personality so you get people that's either not motorcyclists or not motorcycle enthusiasts or people that are complete <laughs> in between it's either all in or nothing so i think the fact that there's south africans right over the world um doing quite well uh the there's a young gentleman in the in the ktm rookies cup uh shane woodley's doing well uh you got the binder brothers you got uh cam peterson and schools in motor america so um the the interest is picking up so africans are a very proud nation as soon as they see one of their own doing something very well they like to get involved and that's when the support you really see the support coming and uh, if i'm honest I've, I've watched motor gp for a long time but I, there was a few years i almost i don't want to say lost interest but I, I watched a little bit less and brad binder doing well really got me back into the sport where i am obsessed with it again and that's a very south african thing we love it when our own people do really well oh hell yeah same the same thing as Americans, yo. Like, oh, look at that double B thirty three. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful, <laughs> dude. That 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 is that is a sick freaking hat. Was was that the hat that you bought at Coda, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got I got his and Miller's. Chris spent like five hundred dollars in one boot. <laughs> that is, yeah. Yeah, South that African flag. Yeah, that has crispy. It's I, my uh, I have my um, Circuit the America hats. This is the hat that they gave uh, um, Marshall workers. So I got to clean this thing. This thing's a little dirty. You can't see it on camera, thank God. But it's it has some mileage. So with Brad, yo, 
If we talk about the race, Chris, can we can we, can we talk about the race real quick? I, I, yeah, no, let's talk about Moto Three, Moto Two, and Moto GP. Absolutely, Dude, Brad, motherfucking Bender, bro. Holy shit! I I, I was pulling so hard for him because I, I I thought I thought that there was gonna be some like last five to seven lap sweep where he just comes in and just across everybody. Like I was so banking on that. Yeah, I was banking on that because he was just doing that lap after lap after lap. And I'm like, oh, it's going to catch. So close. Yeah. He did an amazing job. Oh, hell yeah. He, he, he did. Yeah, he did I, I think amazing. If you look at the motor GP race, the first thing that comes to mind for me personally is, is those Aprilias were just on fire. I think Aprilia was the best bike to be on today. Miguel Oliveira from 16th to 4th, I think he finished. Maverick Vinales right up there fighting, and then obviously Alicia Spargo winning. So I think the the player really liked this track. I think it was an awesome track. I was worried when Miguel and and Maverick. I don't I didn't think Brad was gonna make the podium, but yeah, he slipped that back tie into corners and put it all out there like he used to, and it, luckily he he got podium there. Brad Bender was doing what Brad Bender does best, man. Yeah, absolutely, he was amazing. And yeah, my standout obviously is Alicia man, but also dude Raul. On the Aprilia, man, he actually did really good on the uh, on the Aprilia. It's actually probably his best ride so far this season. What 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 position he finished? In? I think he finished thirteenth, maybe. So I, I want to give a quick shout out to Augusto Fernandez, bro. He what a weekend that kid has had. Yeah. What a weekend on the on the satellite gas gas bike. He he podiumed in the sprint race, didn't he? Uh, I think he was just off. He was just off. He was yeah, just, like he was just off. Fifth, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 dude, he was right freaking there, yo. Yeah, and that just means volumes. Good. That yeah. just means KTM, KTM, right, is stacked with talent. Oh yeah, for sure. Stupid stacked. Just get rid of pole, and then we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we we yeah, swap all out for both markets, and then we're good. Yeah, right. Uh, Imagine. It's like, uh, uh, I think uh, that cover will will. Be, uh, uh, upset a few people but the, the thing is as a south african as a breadbender fan and ktm obviously breadbender is the top performing ktm guy right now i don't want to see mark marquez on a ktm because i don't, don't and again sorry i don't think brad's gonna be the top one there anymore because i think mark will be extremely extremely good on a ktm so as a south african i don't want to see mark on a ktm but as a motor gp fan i do because i think he will be phenomenal Love, love or hate him, I think if you put him on a decent bike, he's gonna be very, very good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I personally think that Aprilia should try to go after. That's Mark that's Marquez. what I was thinking. Yeah, that, that's yeah, what yeah. I was take 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 Marquez, man. Get rid of. Uh, I mean, man, you could get rid of either one of them. To be honest, yeah, for real. I honestly, dude, I would get rid of Alicia Spargo. Um, he's already talked about. You know, he wants to retire soon anyway. So, you know, his love for the game is going to fall out. Of course, I'm sure the win today ignited uh, another fire up in him, right? Which it would. But, yeah, that's what I would do. I'd throw all my eggs in the basket. Craft the Marquez, man. Even, yeah, for sure. We're three quarters of the way of the season over, man. I, I, I don't know how much points Espargo can really can really put up after that. I mean, it was, it was a freaking insane run by the captain, right? But the thing is, Chris, if – if Marquez does hit factory Aprilia, and I'm gonna call it right now, he's a championship contender. Yeah, I'm gonna say it right now. A healthy, a healthy mark on a very good platform like that, 
And Aprilia is not even just a decent platform. Aprilia is a very good platform. And it if is. you put a healthy mark on that bike, I'm sorry, it is over for the league. <laughs> what do you think, Dion, about uh, uh, the situation at Honda and Mark Marquez? Do you think he's going to leave? I do think that every race going the way it's going now, the possibility becomes higher. We all know there's a lot of money outstanding or he's still in the contract for next year. But Mark has also come out to say he's not in it for the money anymore. He'll literally get on any bike as long as he can win. And at this stage, Mark Mark is on anything except a Honda and a Yamaha. If you put him on a KTM, a Ducati or a Aprilia, he's going to be a championship contender. If you put him on a half-decent bike, he's going to be a contender. So I think that should make the better worry a little bit. I don't know if they're going to be able to get a deal through. Um, I'm worried, though, because uh, I don't know how good the championship's going to be as a old-school MotoGP fan. We need Yamaha and Honda, and I think if Marquez does leave, I think the possibility of Honda going the Suzuki route and just pulling out becomes much higher. I also think that the possibility of Yamaha uh, exiting is higher because obviously there's a lot of money going into these projects. And the last thing we want to see as as MotoGP fans is Yamaha and Honda leave leave the paddock. So that scares me a little. But at the end of the day, a guy like Mark Marquez is going to try and get a competitive bike no matter what color it is, whether it's satellite or factory. And whether it's satellite or factory, I think he will be competitive on any one of those other three bikes. Do you think he'd concede to a gas gas bike, but with KTM, uh, but with factory uh, um, support? I, I honestly do believe because of an interview earlier this year where he said it doesn't matter whether it's factory satellite or color. Uh, I think if it's a competitive bike, if he thinks the RC16 is a good bike, whether it's Husqvarna, gas gas, whatever they label it as, if it has factory support, whether it's satellite bike, I think he'll go. I think if he gets the opportunity, he'll go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, facts, and also, you know, there's still two bikes to be on the grid to take Suzuki's spot. So, um, I think that uh, Ducati should give up one one of their teams, um, to Yamaha, yeah, and and let Yamaha have another satellite team and then bring another team, right? Right, I mean, whoever it is, right? Um, Listen, I love Ducati, and they're one of my favorites. But man, it's they—they they get so much more data than all the other bikes out there on the grid, right? Um, from the slowest to the fastest, so they got a great heap of pile of wealth of knowledge just because of that. Where the others, they got one super fast and one that crashes all the time, right? Or <laughs> one that's off the pace and not as fast. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's a double edged sword when it comes to that. Um, yeah, but we'll see, man. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we'll, we'll hear the news on, on all the major players and all the movement here shortly, you know. Oh, silly still, season. Yeah, there's still 24 races left, right? Yeah, I think 24 races left, man. So it's – Oh, okay. So not three-quarters away. More like no, half. no, no. Yeah, we're about it's halfway through. Yeah. Okay. All right. My bad. Yeah. Math wrong. It should, it, it's it's turning into the international Ducati championship. Like it's just like, <laughs> like it that's pretty much what, what, what it's – who is the faster Ducati rider? I mean, we we had some bombshell news. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say I think what you guys are mentioning about the the information that they're gathering, it's, it's very prominent. Even if you see on Fridays where Peko Benyaya maybe start starts off badly on a Friday, by Sunday nine times out of ten he's in the front, and I think that has a big thing to do with all the information they they're able to gather from 
all the different bikes. I think it's eight Ducatis right now on the, on the grid. So they have time over the weekend to figure it out. And nine times out of 10, by Sunday, they figured it out. And Benyai is competitive because, because of the information available. So it does give them a, a, a little bit of edge. And I've also always said something. I know it will never happen because there's a lot of mm -hmm. different manufacturers. But if you really want to crown a world champion, put them on equal equipment. Put them all on whatever. And then you can see who the, you can't say it. In my opinion, Pekka Benyai is a world champion. Ducati is. If he wasn't a good team yeah, last yeah. year, it wasn't his. And people's going to maybe comment on that, but I, I, I actually think that's the truth. Yeah. And you, you know what I say, Dion? You, that's perfect. You're absolutely. Let's put everybody on the Suzuki. The 2022 Suzuki, when they left and let everybody just race that bike. Oh, oh man. In my opinion, I think Fabio would probably take that because Mark I wasn't don't. healthy that year. No, no, no. I, I'm talking about now. Next year, 2024, oh, 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 everybody, everybody put oh. on the on the Suzuki, yeah, and then let everybody race the Suzuki. That's equal footing, equal, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would probably say it would be either Martin or Miller. I, I'm gonna go Renz. I think Alex Renz would. Yeah, yeah Alex Renz is a very naturally naturally talented athlete, eh? and he's going to factory Yamaha. What do you guys think of that move? I, I think it's brilliant. Me too. Me I agree too. with you guys. I think his his riding style, uh, fast cornering speed, smooth riding style. It, it's going to suit the the what we know as the strong points of Yamaha. Obviously, they did those engine upgrades and stuff now for a little bit of top speeds. They lost a little bit of that cornering speed, but I think the the conventional Yamaha, as we know it, with Alex Rins's riding style with with high cornering speeds, smooth mm -hmm. style. I think it could work very well. Yeah, I, I say I say the same thing. I I always thought that when Suzuki was still a thing, that Renz was always the faster rider. Like I didn't really believe Mir was an actual champion. I always thought that Renz was the was the better rider, hands down. And we saw that when he lugged that hunk of junk Honda to the finish line in P one in Austin, which you could only imagine. I went ballistic when he won that. But the fact that he was. Man, when was the last time a satellite Honda team has won a GP? Matter of fact, when was the last time Honda has won a GP? <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about how funny that sounds, too, right? When was the last time HRC won a Moto GP when they used to dominate the sport for years and years and years? But now we're seeing the, the tide change. We're seeing back in the day, man, it was the Japanese manufacturers that just killed all the European bikes. I mean, it wouldn't. It wasn't even close now that mm -hmm. the ties have turned. Now the European bikes are superior over the Japanese bikes. And, man, it, it's sad to say it, man. I, I feel like they're giving up and quitting too soon, right, Suzuki, for whatever reason they left. You know, we're all hearing rumors about Yamaha and Honda. Man, it would be a great shame. I know we already touched on this for a second. But also I feel like, man, suck it up, Buttercup. God damn it, we're in a Premier League racing of the world. This It's going to happen. So – Untuck your tail, put your chin up high, and get to a buttercup and make it happen. I don't mind, guys, if there is a generational brand that dominates. It, it happens. That's that's how sports happens, sports in general. There's going to be a dominant period of time for certain players, individuals, teams. But it's easier to say for Ducati because they have, like, uh, was it eight freaking bikes on the track? 
So it's like, is it really Ducati dominance or is it Ducati dominance, if you know what I'm trying to say? So I don't know. I mean, you can't take nothing away from Alvaro, right? I mean, he's just killing it in SBK. I agree. Okay. I, agree. I mean, just, I mean, murdering it, right? Nobody else was doing it. So it's it's Alvaro. That, that's mm-hmm. the difference. Um, it, again, a lot of people are complaining in SBK um, about, you know, 500 RPMs and this and that, limited this, man. Just, it, it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. That's taken away from the sport, in my opinion, 100%. What do you think? I, I have to I have to agree with you guys. It's, talking about the, the SPK thing, the first thing that comes into my mind is what would Jack Miller say? Just get on with it, guys. This mm-hmm. is let's just you complain about your bike, get a better bike. It's as simple That's as right. that. But yeah. unfortunately, in on, on the GP grid, uh, you can't deny that eight eight bikes makes a massive difference. And oh, what I've seen, it, it, it makes a massive difference. And what, what I see is and I'm not a I'm not on the inside at all, but listening to everybody's opinions, I think the European guys have been much more eager to throw money at development and putting their names on the line and, and testing new things. Uh, guys like Kate inside the, the box where they print parts and arrow wings and they flip it on there and they try and they try new things where the stories coming from HRC and Yamaha is they test stuff 300 times over there's a new wing it goes to japan it gets tested it gets painted 16 different colors they drive over it 100 times uh they stretch test it and then maybe they give it the go and it's six months down the line and development's already passed that part that they thought would work so i think the european guys are just more open mindset eager to throw the money in it and like you say it's a generation maybe Six years from now, we sit here with a whole lot more viewers from both our sides. We'll be much bigger than the two podcasts. And we talk about Honda dominance again. Who knows? You never know what happens. Six years later, American team Buell joins MotoGP. And then we end up dominating, you know, with Ford engines. With Ford <laughs> engines. With inline that would Ford be engines. I mean, hey, they're, they're, they're making their waves in, in Formula One in a couple of years. So, shoot, Ford. Come to MotoGP, man. Could you imagine a factory Ford bike? That'd be insane. But in order for them to do that, they'd have to obviously sell a Ford production bike. So, yeah, yeah nah, nah. But that'd be nothing. Awesome. Nothing surprises me in this world anymore. Honestly, we heard that aliens existed a month ago. So, well, there's love nothing it. that surprises me anymore. So, I love it. I love we see it. A Ford on the grid. I love it too. But it it, it just it seems like um oh oh. So I was about to mention the championship lead. It seems like the championship lead is is pretty significant at the moment, but it wouldn't have been that way if Marco Bezzecchi didn't spill. Um, how much of a beast Marco Bezzecchi is? Holy shit. Bezzecchi yeah, he is, is amazing. Dude. Marco Bezzecchi is... I think he's, he's very good, yeah. So I, I heard Casey Stoner saying at Goodwood, Goodwood Festival Speed, I don't know if you guys heard that, that he thinks that Bezeki, if you go back and take off all this ele- electronics and stuff, that Bezeki would be one of the best riders on the grid. And I do believe that. I think today was just maybe experience mistake. It seems like he was too eager to try and catch Beko, but he's he's younger, youngish in the in the paddock and he hasn't been a long around that. I think in a year or two from now, he's not only going to be a serious title contender, I think he can be a world champion. I think he's got the talent. Agreed. 110% agree with you, Dion. Um, he's he's one of the naturally gifted, talented riders, if not the most on the grid right now. 
hundred percent. If he wasn't riding a Ducati, I'd be a huge fan of him right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that goes to show the difference of uh, of um, I guess career maturity veteranship between Bezeki and Alicia Spargo, right? Because you see Alicia was taking his time. He got passed a couple times by the people behind him, but you see him taking his time and trying to weave the perfect line. Whereas Bezeki was trying to top rack that shit and it sent his bike flying to the moon. You know what I'm saying? And he had so much time. Like that that's what bothered me is that Bezeki had so much time to make a proper move. But you're right that youth that that angst that uh not that much of a mature rider just yet kind of took over his instincts and then sent him barreling down yeah it's it's you know uh, uh, i think that uh Bizzetti, yeah he tried to he outbroke himself for sure but it's hard when the ducati's fighting another ducati man it's hard for them to pass each other right um because they're all fairly similar in performance uh, especially the primac in, in the factory um mm-hmm. it's uh it, it makes it hard right where that's just you know that's why other bikes their strengths are different in other areas of the track you know so yes Alesh did really well uh following and picking his his battles right his lines that, that he's mm-hmm. gonna take to win which was awesome i mean dude when Alesh won i was it great dude it was Dude, yes, I, man, I it was, it's fantastic. Yes, to see that instead of you know the, the, the same old person winning all the time, right? Um, oh, here we go. Oh, we got a long one here. Pause. Uh, Chris <laughs> Glandon says, I wish Aprilia was doing better for us customers, uh, consumers, the customers. Their bikes and support is horrible versus what I see in MotoGP track. As an R660 owner, you lucky bastard, and having nothing but issues, <laughs> it's been a frustrating experience. I know these people are apples to oranges in comparison, but it's still frustrating with lack of customer support and quick part solutions for factory issues under warranty. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like one of the best factory supports in which I feel like all motorcycle brands should really learn from is Ducati. I feel like Ducati really takes care of their um, consumers. And I just wish Aprilia did the same thing because of the spike in Aprilia sales. I have a friend who owns an Aprilia dealership literally 10 minutes away from me and um the the things that he's able to do for aprilia consumers within his within his jurisdiction is the one of the best versions of customer service that i've seen and i say within his jurisdiction because aprilia the company themselves don't really have a lot to them and i figured as an italian company that sells high class sport bikes i wonder why they are the way they are ducati doesn't do that yeah. I think it's a difficult one. Size-wise, I think, uh, and maybe that's why I mentioned apples to oranges. Uh, I don't think Aprilia maybe at, at the stage where they can, I don't want to handle, but the growth has been bigger maybe than they expected. But hopefully that picks up because I, I do think it's a good motorcycle. But with anything, I'm a salesman myself as a day job. Your product's only as good as your after-sales. So there's no parts and 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 after sales service available a, a, a good product doesn't mean much the the proper service part of anything comes after the sales made making a sales the easy thing it's after the sales made that's when the service plays into it so i'm hoping it really can pick that up but i'm thinking it's going to be similar in most in, in most countries south africa you don't see a lot of brilliance around here so if you do have one i also don't think parts are regularly available but 
hopefully as production and as uh, popu uh, popularity of the bike increases, the, the, the service levels will increase as well. Yeah. I, 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 again, Dion, you hit it right on the head. You know, they're, they're such a small company and they probably grew quicker than what they expected. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's just like with any bike, right? Uh, other manufacturers that are bigger, they have that proper testing where they test it for, you know, a hundred thousand miles on the dyno, make sure the engine is not going to blow up or whatever electronic issues <laughs> that, that, that they happen to have. Um, whereas a smaller company, they still have their RD they put in it, but it might not be to that extent as the bigger companies. Okay. I, I don't know that for a fact. I, I'm just, that's just what I assume. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. A has not had the best service history. Um, I've been told, um, and dealing with their, with, with their customers and our warranties and stuff like that i think they'll get better i mean with, they with, will with, absolutely with the growth with the growth and especially with the rs660 platform and the amount of sales that they generated they're probably sitting back at piaggio or or Aprilia like holy shit that we are selling a lot of a bike it's a so you know <laughs> mama it's, mia it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 gonna take some time man i i think um i think uh Aprilia owners are not hung out to dry just yet um Things are obviously going to vary, especially with the release of a middleweight sport bike. I mean, like that—that's a big brand change because you know they're only selling like race machinery and high-powered vehicles and a couple of ugly-looking scooters. So they changed their whole game with this. So if they're able to make that sort of revolutionary change, I'm pretty sure you know warranties and parts and stuff like that will eventually catch on. Dion, that sure will like. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, no, you, you you go first. Sorry. No, uh, so the, I think what you're saying there is true. There's a gentleman. I don't know. I wish I could remember his name. Is American gentleman. It's very popular on TikTok and all these channels. That has a Aprilia as well. Uh, that that makes videos. And I think as the brand grows, um, and because they they release that mid range, that 600 size uh, bike, those are very popular right across the world. Because they have the, the the power to to give you the the adrenaline you need, but it's not a it's not a thousand cc motorcycle that's overpowered and difficult to ride. But that's really the the the, the good market to be in that that R six ZX six R that 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 type of market. I think is really the booming market in the motorcycle industry right now. It it is absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that the, they did it right? Aprilia with the RS six sixty in the middleweight, right? You got Yamaha with the R seven, and man, all the other manufacturers making middleweight uh, sports bikes. And you know, nobody, man, not everybody can go out and afford a thirty thousand dollar brand new, you know, one thousand a BMW RSV four, and then you know what they don't tell you is when you the, the service on a Ducati is fucking outrageous right they don't tell you that until you take it in for your first service you're like yeah it'd be twenty four hundred dollars you're like wait what for sale can, can i trade that in on on that bike over there right it's like, <laughs> yeah, it was, doesn't doesn't do isn't like the maintenance interval for ducati longer than like a japanese bike though no absolutely not they used to be every six oh they lied miles. to me <laughs> yeah every six well listen hold up jules every six thousand miles on the old belt uh, driven uh six or seven thousand miles on the belt driven cam bikes when they come out with the v4 they went to gear driven cam so it's every sixteen thousand miles so now it is comparable to a, an inline four but again when you take it in it's going to hit that wallet so i hope you got a nice chunk of change when you go in there because so they have that's what it's going to cost you 
Yeah, yeah, it's not, dude, assuming, they're not cheap. No, no, but I'm assuming if you have the money to buy a new Ducati, you, you have the money to afford the service. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how tough it is? How tough is it to do some of the work yourself, Chris? Um, it, you can rent the special tools. Um, oh, I have their special tools. That's all you had to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, a motor, I could work on a motorcycle is a motorcycle, a motor is a motor, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, you, you got to, they don't sell their special tools, not all of them. Um, and you got to have certain ones to to do a proper valve job and actually know what you're doing. It's not like a, a normal V-twin or inline four because it's got the Desmotronic valve train, right? It's the only bike in the world that has it. So uh, they're different because on that, the cam actually opens and closes uh, the valve, right? So you have an opening shim and a closing shim and rocker arms and all that good shit. So, yeah, they're Ooh. different for sure. Fellow South African Ray Hendy, raging Ray Hendy in the building, yo. Yeah, that's my man. What is he up, says, Ray? He says, "Hola, hola." <laughs> <laughs> are you are, are you guys familiar with each other, Dion? You you know you know Ray Hendy. He runs that Gasoline Cowboys page on Facebook. I don't yep. know if you've seen it. Uh, I think I've seen the page. I'm not familiar with with uh, Ray himself personally. Mm. Uh, you, me, and MotoGP actually started this year only, so we are oh. not too familiar with with a lot of South African follow South African uh, uh, podcasters or or journalists or even guys that have a page. But we spoke about Donovan Furi uh, yep. earlier, Chris. Oh, Furi. I, I I looked at Furi. Yeah, you got it, right? <laughs> you got the exit, yeah. I, I just look at these guys and just follow them, uh, Donovan and Rob and all these guys. For, for me, it's it's a goal to be where they are one day. So we look at them and, and try and learn from them. And so hope, hopefully we, we know them one day. That that's the goal to, to be to be going in the same circles. Man, yeah. to to, to yeah. grab a beer and some wings with you guys and Donovan yeah. would be amazing. amazing. It would, yeah. it would definitely be. No, it, it would. Yeah. So it's Ray Hendy's we'll a good mate uh, of ours, and so is Donovan. Um, I talked to Donovan on Facebook Messenger. We send each other messages a lot. He's uh, Donovan's super awesome. He always tells me, "Dude, uh, I'll be on the podcast whenever you want me to come on there, and we can talk shit." I was like, "All right, we'll set it up for sure." <laughs> and this is a professional <laughs> telling us that he yeah. that he he would do that. This is a guy who's in in journalism this is a guy who's supposed to be yeah. professional and he's like he's like fuck this fuck that and i'm like this is Donovan's great. awesome i, I love it. Donovan. i love ray <laughs> hendy man i love all them guys all you guys yeah absolutely and, and yeah. i I, th I think this is like a oh my, my bad enemy cut you off dion but like in um, um maybe i'm speaking for you maybe i'm not but i feel like this is the perfect time to be in motorcycling journalism period podcast and whatnot because it is a general uh a, a generational shift between talent brands and teams leaving teams coming in so like if there's any time for this sport to be covered it's definitely now i, I agree with you from, from our side why we also decided to do this we we feel and we hope that motor gp especially will be one of the big next things in south africa uh, i feel that brad will maybe not right now, but will be a, a title contender. And once he is, a lot more South Africans will get invested in this. So we, we want it to be, I don't want to call it on the ground level, there's guys that's been doing this for years. We mentioned Donovan, we mentioned Rob Portman, we mentioned all these guys that's been in the, this industry for years, that's laid the groundwork. But we wanted to jump on the, the MotoGP podcasting, uh, proper podcasting thing now, because we feel that this, this sport will grow. Um, 
the sport is interesting enough. It's just a matter of time when people realize, fuck, this is so much better than F1. This is good racing. We want to watch this. So it's it's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you're right, man. And you know what, dude? Brad Bender will be a title contender. Um, again, he, dude, he is so fast and so talented. Um, I don't know what it is about uh, – him putting it all together for, for a complete race because he either has a shit start or he takes off like a scalded dog and that's it right um but yeah he will he, he he'll be a title contender for sure and honestly man i would love to see him and jack miller uh get a title for for ktm um obviously man but, but between the two i really like them both so it would be hard for me to uh like one more than the other i would say right um and also a big fan of KTM, but yeah, you're right. Bender mm-hmm. will uh, be a title contender, and when he does, I know how he big he is in in South Africa, and, and not even just there, all over the world. There's a lot of Americans here that love Brad Bender too, as well. Yes, um, Brad Bender and yeah. and Jack Miller are the closest yes. thing to American that we have, especially Miller, <laughs> yeah, especially, especially Miller. Jack Miller. Yeah, yeah. Miller the is such, to he's the coolest guy. I, I'm I'm borderline, I think, almost a bigger Jack Miller fan because it, it just always feels to me that he doesn't, he's not that well, well, maybe he is, but he doesn't care. Like the media filters or the media train, he's not, he just says what he wants to say. I just love it, man. He just goes on and be like, oh, you could better about your bike, get a better bike. This is yeah, right. Get a better, yeah. You have to look back. Yeah, quit crying and just ride the bike, right? So listen, man, let's talk about Moto3 real quick because Moto3 was an amazing race, Jules. Did you watch it? No, I only saw MotoGP. Ah, man. I had a really busy morning. Uh, big shout-out to David Alonzo that won the race, man, coming from 24th to win. Oh, that, that was an amazing race. I think – the the top four whatever that was so close but that that's classic moto three elbows out i think if you're a, a, a motorcycle enthusiast you you need to watch moto three and there's no way you won't enjoy it yeah i, I don't think i gotta do that i i realized that this year i'd be sleeping on the classes that i don't really watch so like for moto america i slept on the junior class for a long time now it's my favorite class so i've been sleeping on moto three I definitely got to get into it. That's a shame, Jules, because it's just it like Junior Cup of Moto know, America, man. I know, it's, it's I know. probably one of the best classes to watch just because of the – man, you, all the kids are – Back and forth. Well, it, that – but, dude, their emotions are a lot more evident, right, because the younger kids and they really play off their emotions and you feel the intensity. And when they laugh, they laugh. When they cry, they cry. And it's – Dude, that passion is unreal. Just like in Junior Cup of Moto America, we get to you get to see it all, right? Um, mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. versus somebody that's won a hundred million times, right? Let's say Pecco, he gets up there, yeah, he smiles in front of the camera, but it's not like when somebody wins in the lower class and just like, yeah, you know, they just keep just going off and going off, and it's yeah, the passion's there. It's it is, it really is. Uh, Chris Chris Glandon says for Dion, have you heard any chatter about CF Moto and how their bikes are doing in Moto Three? Um, uh, I haven't actually uh, anything. While you guys were chatting, now quickly try to see if I can pull up something here because that is complete news to me. I see they're a Chinese manufacturer of motorcycles. Um, so I'll actually do a little bit of homework, Chris. I have to be honest with you. I'm not going to sit here and try and thumbs up. This is the first I heard of it, but always like to hear about new news and things going on. 
So I'm going to do a little bit of homework and I'll, I'll maybe reach out to you guys and we can, you, we can put a post out or something about what's going on there. Yeah, we for sure. feed on your gossip. This is why we're here. We'll we're definitely in the do blood that for sucking you, business. That's it. <laughs> we're here to take That's any it. information and run with it and stretch it as far as we can. But that, well, that's, let me that's, give that's you guys I, breaking news. Mark yeah. Marquez will ride a Husqvarna in 2024. You heard it here first. With Pedro Acosta, <laughs> and it will be an LCR Husqvarna. I know the, the rumors have been squandered, but where oh. there's smoke, there's a fire. Oh, listen, facts, Dion. Listen, it, it, we we talked about this. Uh, oh, do they? Yeah. The, um, always when there's smoke, there's fire. But how much uh, does the fire get going once it's started? Right? Because a lot of times True. they're 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 put out before. But listen, this one that they that he just said is uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of fires around that the Husqvarna and, and all that when Colombian wings things pee in this cup, buddy. Then we celebrate. <laughs> Oh my god! That is comments of the night. I love that. Yes, that I do amazing. too. That is awesome. I'm trying to see who did that. that. Time for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Just as Facebook user. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out who it is. Just, just, just real quick, gentlemen, Chris. In about like five minutes, I'm gonna let you take over, man. I got an emergency thing that I gotta take care of. Yep, you go ahead. But now nah, we we get a little chop 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 shop right here. I'm so, <laughs> that's hilarious. <coughs> Excuse me. Whoever you are that, that that put that, post your name so I I, I know who it is. Stike your name. Stike your case, Mike. We need to know who you are. Um, That's awesome. So, Sorry, Chris, you were busy saying something and then I read that comment. Who, me? Yeah, I saw you were halfway saying something there and, and I read the comment. You said where they smoked this fire. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So the Husqvarna uh, – Baby Jeebus and, and uh, Mark Marquez <laughs> uh, coming, right? Uh, I've heard that before. So it, it, it's been a smoke to that fire for a little bit, right? Um, Ray, my man, Ray Hendy said that. I, I had a feeling it was Of Ray course, that was that freaking comment. Ray Hendy. Uh, dude, of course. Ray is awesome. <laughs> Ray, you need, to, you, you need to get on a show, buddy. Yeah, we, uh, we need to bring Ray in. Yeah, bring Ray back. He's hilarious. Holy crap! Ray is He's awesome. like Ray is like our our intrusive thoughts, just in the South African accent. <laughs> Facts. He is he's, awesome. He's everything that we don't want to say publicly that he will. And there's not a lot of things that I don't want to say publicly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot but of yeah, us I, South Africans are a little bit uncensored. So I love it. I love it. And it was crazy that you guys are so nice too. So that when when y'all get in those tangents, I'm like, this is this is a great change of character right here. I like it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, man, I've I've been, I have to catch up with with Moto Two as well. I have not seen the Moto Two race. Um, Moto Three, I'm definitely sleeping on. Uh, Moto Two, freaking Rory Skinner came back, and uh, I had no clue how how well he did. Did, did you guys watch the Moto Two race? I did, but I didn't pay attention where he finished because it was nowhere near the front. So, yeah, yeah. But our boy Joe also, Roberts did. He did. Joe Roberts did really good. I think he finished sixth or seventh. I think. Hmm. Yeah, he finished in fourth. I think. Okay, fourth. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go. I was also just a glance at it because I was really prepping for the it's spot. Like, but the... who won? <laughs> it's like who won this race? Who who, who did win? Was it? 
Was it Arbolino? I don't know who 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 won the race. Uh, Aldegar, I think won it. Mm-hmm. Who? Aldegar. Oh, Aldegar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I remember Alde- Jorge Aldegar? Martin like he he had like a he had like a hard on when he saw Aldegar won. So I was like, oh okay, interesting. I saw I saw it on Instagram. I was like, man, like the the the, the Moto Two class has to be, in my opinion, uh, one of the most difficult classes. I feel like. I feel like they, they go to Moto Two, you you're you're top of the world in something in, in, in like other countries, and you go to Moto Two and you get absolutely smacked out. It's kind of sad to see. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, my heroes. Moto Two's a oh, you said it right. It's a really rough class. It you you'll take Moto Three champions and put them on a Moto Two bike, and they just and they'll don't. get demolished. Look at Della Porta, perfect Ugh. example, right? Lorenzo Della Porta won the Moto Three champ on the Leopard, goes to. Moto two and it just gets trampled and just gets yeah robbed. So I, I think there's a little bit of uh, it's becoming top heavy because you've got so much talent in Moto GP and the guys aren't really pulling through because you've got a lot of guys one or two a year. I think this year we had one rookie in Moto GP, so you got one guy going from Moto G, Moto two to Moto GP. So the talent's really building up in that Moto two class. So. Half of that class is absolutely sublime. Uh, I don't think Darren Binder was bad on a motor GT bike last year. That Jamal obviously is not. the best motorcycle to be on, and he's currently riding around at 15. So, and then you get, get guys like Jake Dixon, Aaron Kinnett, uh Pedro Costa is obviously going to make the move, but he's there. I think because of the the, the top heavy talent of motor GP, and only one or two pulling through into the top class, that that second class is really becoming massively filled with talent. So. It's kind of scary, man. It's like, as a top man in Moto2, you have to really question where you're going to go with your career because GP isn't making any drastic movements to recruiting new talent. World Superbike is over-convoluted with talent as well. So it's like, man, like, as do you want to be like the next Sam Lowe's and just stay there for 30 years? Like, what? <laughs> right? No. What is there to do? We need to bring him to Moto America. That's what we need yes. to do. Yes. Bring Sammy, him to Moto America. Please come to Moto America. We'll take the talent. And, Holy crap, Chris. We'll take any one of them. We'll take Arbolino. We'll take Arenas. We'll take all those guys. Come, come here. We'll take Delaporta. Come, come we'll on. Take we'll take Delaporta. We'll take Del- We'll yeah. take freaking the trash bag of Chelsea Novietti. We'll take him. Like, <laughs> he said the trash bag. That's <laughs> awesome. You know, come on. You know, you know what they should do? They should put an age cap. Uh, uh, at Motor GP, so we could kick the old guys out. Jan Zorko and Alasia Spagro, they like they borderline grandpas now. There's the door, new talent. Every year we just recycle, just throw new talent in there. I mean, that might not be a bad idea. Have an age cap, you're right, in Moto GP. Can't be 65 racing no more. Can't do it. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Buzz off, old man. Yeah, like, you know, 35, maybe 36, 34, something like that. Kick them out. Boom. Go. SBK or Moto America or wherever. Yeah, because how, how old is uh how old is um Zarko's definitely the oldest guy there, right? I'm pretty sure Zarko's the oldest one. Yeah, it's it was like 30 I think. Yeah, it's like 35, 36. Uh maybe. Not saying it's old, but you know, because people come after me yeah. when I say, Oh, he's in his 30s, he's old. And I'm like, and everyone's like, oh, he's not old. Da, 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 da. You know what's old? Well, wait till you get, get for 45, 50. I'm like, oh my God. Like, dude, I'm just saying they're old for the sport. Like, come on. So I, I quickly checked. Zarko's only 33 years old, but it feels like he's 50. 
Oh, it does, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's only three years older yeah. than me. He's, we're sorry, Zaka. Yeah, I'm sorry, but he, he's not. He's. I think uh, the Ducati stress is making him age a little bit quicker. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, guys, he's only three years older than me, and he looks significantly older than me. Well, yeah, he's got a high stress job too, right? Think about, yeah, I mean, dude, his career almost ended when he quit KTM. I, he he's lucky Honda gave him a ride for those two or three races that they did, and then, you know, Ducati picked him up. So, because if it wasn't been for that, Johan Zarco would have been in SBK or maybe BSB. I would love to see him in BSB. Oh yeah, or Moto America. <laughs> of course, Moto. We should. We, do Do you guys like have uh have your own like a uh, South African championship there? That's like a like a breeding ground for talent. <laughs> Yo, we do. Um, unfortunately, we like Moto America televised. It, it it does get televised aside, but not as often as we want to. Oh. I really made it a mission of mine because obviously now with the Moto GP, we've gotten to know some of the guys. There's a good friend of ours that we. We usually go live with on TikTok. His name is Tian. Uh, he, he's in the the local championship. Uh, they call him Rooster. Really nice guy. So yeah, it's 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 one of our, one of our missions this year is to actually get to know the local championship as well. Because as we set out on this journey, we said okay, we're going to focus on MotoGP. MotoGP is our thing. But as our audience is growing and as our viewers are growing, we obviously see that. A lot of people that are interested in MotoGP or local races, and there's a lot of local interest as well. So that's something we want to expand into and really get to know these guys and do some interviews with these guys. Uh, that that's the goal because yeah, obviously they tie into one another, and that there's always been massive interest. But obviously, with some like Brad doing well, the the interest has spiked. These local uh, shopping uh, local. Uh, Adverts the side now about the young gentleman uh, that Brad helped or that that got to meet Brad for the first time. He's a he's a young gentleman that's trying to make it a motorcycle racing and Checkers, which is a retailer. Yeah, uh, they they sponsored the young man. So it's it's you seeing the ads on TV for for local development. You it's becoming more and more popular. So like I said earlier, the, the sport is growing, and as the sport grows, everything else grows with it. So yeah, we we definitely want to. We have that locally, and we we want to get more involved with that as well. Hey man, yep. just just pass me pass me um, these guys' names on social media, and I'll I'll look them up and see if we get them on the show. You know what I'm saying? But uh, gentlemen, Chris, I'm I'm gonna let you captain the ship from here, man. Uh, Dion, it was nice and a wonderful, wonderful pleasure speaking with you, man. And and I can't wait to have this conversation again, hopefully on your platform. <laughs> we, we will do, Jules. Thank you so much. I'll stay in touch with Chris and I'll I'll, I'll pop you a message that will maybe just add on WhatsApp and we can set set it up for for our platform and we can uh, get something out there. Thank you so yeah. much for your time, but I appreciate Freak, it. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Chris, the whole effing show, Simcoe. Peace out. See you, Jules. All right, yeah, yeah, man. So uh, I, I want to give a big shout out to our boy Jillian Carrera. He races in the uh, British Talent Cup over there. Um, he raced this weekend. Um, so yeah, big shout out to him. He did an amazing job, which is yeah, awesome. So what we were touching on is we, we have a group out here, uh actually ran by his dad, uh Michael Carrera. It's it's the FSL Mini GP and they're out of South Florida, South Florida Mini GP. 
um, and he teaches the up and coming kids. Matter of fact, he has some in the Junior Cup in Moto America. Avery Dreyer, um, you know Isaac Woodworth. There are several of them, and they're fast kids, and they're up and coming. So that's that's our major platform here in the United States as far as up and talented kids. You know, we did hear about the John Hopkins and the American thing with with the Moto Two team, right, Dion? But dude, it's not advertised here. Like they're they're not doing anything uh, at all. I think that makes it a little bit more difficult um, because. Obviously, anything in this world revolves around money. And as soon as the advertising comes, the commercial money comes. And when the commercial money comes, then you, you, you can really start to, to develop it. So hopefully this is all just signs and you guys having that. Do you, uh, do you think that's that's going to help you guys get, get the next Nikki Aiden into a MotoGP from, from an American point of view? Uh, is that the plan? How's the, how's the ground phase um, development on your side of Hamas, Chris. Is it is is it sufficient enough to, to have the next Nicky Aiden in a few years? Do you think? I, I do. I, I think that uh, you know it, it, it's just like all the other aliens, right? There, there's one out of a million people that would be ever be like Valentino, Nicky Hayden, and them, right? But as far as getting somebody to that top next level, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Michael and what he's doing in that whole South Florida mini GP. And it, it, it's, it's, dude, he supplies the bikes, the boots, the leathers, the helmets. All you got to do is show up. That's it. That's amazing. That's and amazing. he teaches all the kids. It's, it's, it's not televised, but, uh, sometimes a guy, I forget the guy's name. He, he does, he'll pull it up on Facebook and, 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 and does it live like that. Um, but yeah, his work is amazing. Um, actually, I got what he was on the podcast, uh, 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 two weeks ago, and I got his logo, the the South Florida Mini GP logo, on, on my shirt. I, I wanted to collaborate with him and and spread the love and the word and try to help his because the more he grows and the more kids we can have coming out. But uh, yeah, one of his kids, I just said Avery Jayer, he's in the Junior Cup uh, with several others, and he's actually leading the championship right now in the Junior Cup. Um, so yeah, absolutely. One day we'll have another uh, American over there. It's just hard, especially uh, coming from America, getting over there in Europe into you know GP. We we have we have another one, Jillian, uh, in in the British uh, Talent Cup right now, which is Michael's son racing over there, number forty, which is dude, he's so fast. He was actually on the podcast too. Um, so we're getting out there, we're getting there, but it's not as easy as you know. The Europeans, because it's basically that whole format in MotoGP and all that is formatted around, you know, the Spanish and the Italian riders. Um, I mean, just just look at Dion. Just look at Valentino Rossi and his ranch, right? You don't. There's no Spaniards in there. They're they're all Italians. There's very few. And if you do make it in there, you know, he'll give you. You see them. But then they quickly disappear, right? That they, they don't stick around too long. Um, same thing with, with 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 the Spanish. They uh, it's almost uh, really political. It's not almost. It is really political, and it, it just. <laughs> I'm trying to find the right wordage to 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 say to to describe it. Right? It's almost like they don't really want us in there. If that makes sense, they do. They need an American in there, but the pathway to get there and their acceptance of us don't seem like it was previously when Nikki Hayden raced, right? Um, no, I, I have to agree with you. I think you're 100% right. 
Um, hopefully with the new, and I always uh, uh, forget his name. I think it's Dan, someone, the, the new chief commercial officer. I hope really MotoGP and they have their plans to, to expand this way past the Spanish and Italian dominant grid. And obviously, if that's where most of the talent comes from, there's, there's not much you can do it. But you need to open the pathways for Americans, for South Africans, for Australians, for Japanese, for people from, from, from all, all across the globe, because that's how we're going to get at a much bigger internationally. It's, it doesn't help that we have uh, Spanish and Italian dominated grids, but on the flip side of the coin, we need to make sure as these independent countries that we have developments like you guys have now with that mini, that the guys are on the level and ready to challenge for world championships and that they are the best of the best. And then uh, MotoGP on this, I need to make sure that the access getting into into there isn't, isn't uh, got, uh, stopped by, uh, and I, I'm a, a massive Rossi fan, don't get me wrong here, but you can, I, I can tell you now the VR46 Academy and the influence Rossi still has on the paddock, a guy like Franco Morbidelli is not going to lose his seat now. He will be in the VR46 racing team next year. And I think uh, Bezeki will move on to Premac. But um, should that have been a South African or American, I think they would have been without a seat, regardless of talent and stuff. So I think that there's still a very, I don't want to call it a click, but a, a, a internal safe space for Italians and Spanish with, with Dorna and this, this group where they safeguard these guys. Not safeguard, but I think it's it, it's much more it's it's much easier to lose your seat if you're not an Italian or a Spaniard, and and that's just a, a personal opinion. No, I, it, you know I, I I agree with it. Also, you know the man when they, when these kids are born and, and they start racing at three four years old on a stiff chassis motorcycle. Here in America, we don't have those, right? We have production bikes, right? And that's what we grow up racing. Of course, back in the day, we had the two strokes, which was amazing. I wish they could bring those back, but that's a whole nother subject, right? Uh, <laughs> those are the true race bikes, right? Is the 502 stroke and, and the 250s. But, you know, so we grow up on and racing production bike machines. And then we go there, just look at SDK and, and Joe Roberts in, in Moto 2. It took Joe Roberts a minute to get used to that Moto 2 machine to where he started, you know, doing decent. Um, and then he tailors off and he's decent, you know, and you hear SDK on his interview the other day and he's like, man, you know, these are completely different motorcycles, the chassis, everything, the way you got to ride it, your riding style. And if you don't grow up racing those bikes at a younger age and learn that, it, it's difficult for other people, Australians, you know, uh, United States, the UK boys to go over there and, and actually do well right off the jump, which a lot of people expect high expectations right oh yeah he's gonna go there and kick ass and all i'm like man it's gonna be a while because it's a lot to learn it's such a steep learning curve um and they're a lot less forgiving right so that's where they the italians and the spanish are so far superior to anybody else in the world as far as when it comes to to training motorcycle racers i think you're 100 right um, I, I might be factually wrong here. I don't know exactly this, but I know Brad also went over at a young age. I think he was 14, 15 years old. Him and his mother went over because I think at that time they identified if you want to make it in, in the sport, you need to be in that Spanish or that Italian culture and competing with those guys from a young age. 
I honestly don't think as a South African, if you've hit 22, 23 years old, you can then go over and then compete on that level. You need to be able to compete on that level from a younger age. So uh, a part of the onus is on MotoGP to make it easier, but a part of the onus is on, is on us as Americans and South Africans to make sure we get our riders from young age, from ground level, we get them on the right equipment and competitive. So when they make that step, to Europe, that it's not a massive step and they feel they're drowning, that they can be competitive there as well. But I guess it's easy for a small-time podcaster <laughs> sitting over here with a microphone and fixing fixing all the problems. But that's just a personal opinion. I might be completely wrong. Someone might be listening to this and think, oh, my word, that guy is such a knob. But yeah, um, no, uh, that's that's just my opinion. No, and, and you know, it's, it's been, and they're all good opinions. I, I don't think it's a dumb opinion at all. Um, there, like I said, there's so much that has to go into it, politics, and they're just, it's, it, we don't, we just basically what it comes down to is we don't have the structure like they got, right? Where here in America, we shit, eat, and breathe football and NASCAR and blah, blah, blah. Where over there, they do that with motorcycles and racing, right? Um, we have another question by Chris again. It says USA seems to be missing the bikes, the tracks, and the level of training. The tracks are a huge difference for US and everywhere else from a difficulty perspective. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. Um, again, it's it's you know we we only have a one uh, a one ring here in America. It's it's Texas, right? It's it's the only venue that's safe enough for MotoGP. And you know what else we're missing is World Superbike. Why don't we have any more World Superbike races in America? Like we're missing that too, right? That that'll also help uh promote the sport to Americans because you bring production based racing. Not yes, Moto America is that too, but you know, you got World Superbike is the best out of production racing out of all the countries, right? You got Germany, uh, Japan, all this other stuff, right? So why not bring the biggest along with MotoGP to America to showcase that off too? It's a missing market. Um, it'll also help promote the, the sport and, and bring other people in. But I don't know. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you, Chris. And we, we spoke about this earlier or previously. Something else that I think that, that will need to happen, and this is coming from a complete different angle of it, and this is something Formula One that, that right is drive to survive created a massive interest among common people, among everybody. Where people now you don't need to be a massive F1 fan to, to know F1. And I think Motor GP uh and the, the sport in general, if you can do that, and if you especially the American market, if you could get the people invested in the sport uh on that level then you've got young young people in the States looking and say, I, I want to be like a Lando Norris, saying, instead of Lando Norris, they're saying, I want to be a, I want to be like a Jack Miller. And then you can pick up the development and the money and the stuff that comes with that. So if you, you need to get the interest there. And I know we had, uh, I think it was called MotoGP Unlimited. Uh, it didn't work as well as, as Drive to Survive. I think a big part of that is because a lot of it was in Spanish or Italian, but that's a story for another day. Um, but you need to you need to create the interest, I think. And once the interest is there and the, the, the sport is well known, the money will follow. And as the money follows, the development follows. And that's a big thing. And I honestly think Dorna can do a better job. The other thing, they can do a better job. They can do – why don't they do a, a World Superbike round combined with the Kota MotoGP round? 
get them there on one weekend. I know logistically it might not be the easiest thing to do, but create that hype. Do a, a, a MotoGP World Superbike combined round one weekend in Kota and you get a shit ton of people there and you really raise the interest. I'm not saying that it, it will be able. I don't know the logistics of it, but just thinking outside the box a little bit more. No, yeah. I mean, they see the couple years uh when gp came out of america was there too the same weekend racing with with the gp boys so yeah absolutely it could work the the issue with with texas is too is you know they're always repaving it because of the from my understanding the the ground that they built it on shifts a lot right and and it separates and it causes all these ripples and stuff along with the f1 guys too of course and anytime uh car racing goes to the racetrack it it uh it causes it puts a lot of ripples in it man because you got these huge ass tires and thousand horsepower yeah ripping it up right but uh texas is a beautiful place i love going to texas dakota is such an amazing track turn one on tv does not do it no justice it is literally i mean it's it's a steep yes very steep uh Dude, the atmosphere is awesome. The food's awesome. The people are it's 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 magnificent. It really is. All the facilities are clean. Um now our other racetracks here in America, you know, we do have some nice ones. Um, but they're more like British Superbike, right? Where they're they're not so wide. Some of them are, but it's uh we need more uh venues as far as other places to go to, not just one here right because if you look at MotoGP as a whole man they go they're they stay in spain they might as well just stay in spain and quit everywhere else spain and italy right because it's Europe, that's yeah. majority of the races um yeah that, that will also help 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 the sport grow too is having different venues and different racetracks because not everybody can afford to go to texas right because man let's just be honest it's expensive right it really is um not as far as the tickets and, and actually being there, but if you don't live in, you know, Texas and you're traveling, you know, you got the airplane. If you got to fly or you drive and you got the hotel and the gas and the food and all the merch you buy and, you know, all, all that good stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. But if you had more options for people to go to, um, I just think it would be better for the sport. But I don't know. We'll see what uh, happens. I agree with you. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. One thing you mentioned here, and from a South African, just watching it on TV, Kota, to me, always it seemed amazing. Everything seems so, it, it seems big. And this year, especially with the new MotoGP drone footage, where you can see the elevation of how high it actually goes up, and with the big Texas flag in the background, it just, to me, it's that typical what we see America as. A, it's this big, it's massive, it just stands out. So... I think that's definitely if if I have to choose a top three of, of places I'd like to watch a MotoGP race. I think, obviously, like you say, with the track, you get a little bit of a bump. So they're always trying to fix that. So I don't think it's the best place for for the riders. Maybe maybe it's not their favorite track, but I think it's a spectator. It must be incredible going to to Kota. I mean, like you say, other tracks, Laguna Seca. I know that's not up to MotoGP standard anymore, but surely there's enough tracks in America, and you guys can host one or two more and it will help the sport grow yeah you're right i've been to laguna Seca, man and man what a beautiful track but yeah coda 
Coda's big. It, you're absolutely compared to Laguna Seca. Coda's huge. It swallows Laguna Seca. It really does. It's uh, and the cool thing about uh, well, even Laguna, there, there's a lot of good spots you can watch the races from. But Coda, man, you can you can literally sit and turn twelve and see him uh, come down that long straight, that hard uh, left, and then go through that little back section, and then come all the way back out to almost turn fourteen. So it's and then they got the big tower you can get into. You pay twenty dollars and you get in that big old tower and you see everything. It's yeah, it's it, their burgers are bigger, their beers are bigger, right? Everything's bigger in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sounds like my type of place, I have to say. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. Hopefully, one day you, you and your girl can can get a trip and come out here, man, because I usually go every year to Coda. Um, yeah, so it, it's a lot of fun. I'm actually going uh, the twentieth of this month. I'm headed out to Louth in the UK for the BSB race at the end of the month, which I'm super excited about. I can imagine, yeah. No, we'll definitely outspeak you, Shanae, and I think uh, you guys having us on the podcast and, and us becoming good mates, and I think we'll have to arrange a coach trip and we'll meet you guys out there and we'll do a combined podcast. We'll do something nice and have a, have a few beers and, and, and wings and burgers and whatever we can get our hands on. I'm, I'm That's right. Game for that. Yeah, we'll do it, man. We'll definitely plan it out. It'll be, yeah, it'll be amazing, man. Like I said, I love doing this, man. You know, getting involved in podcasting and meeting all these people and building these relationships. With and that's the whole reason why I'm going to Louth because of my good mate, Dave Neal. You know, he, he has a, he has his own podcast called Off Track, which is amazing. You should go check it out. Everybody listening or watching needs to go check it out. Um He's on Spotify and Apple and all that good stuff. But I had him on the podcast. It was, it, real quick, funny story about how it all happened was uh, I had been listening to Dave for a while, right? Actually, years. Um, but even before podcast was a podcast thing, when podcast was on the radio, right? They didn't call him podcast. It was a motorcycle radio show, right? Um, anyway, I invited him to Pin the Gas Facebook group. And he comes on. He accepted. He's like, hey, my name's Dave Neal. I'm the, at the time, he was the press officer for OMG Rich Energy, Kyle Ride and Bradley Ray, right, in BSB. And I was like, holy shit, dude. He's, yes, absolutely, you know. And so I started talking to him. And I was like, dude, it would be an honor to have you on the podcast. And he was like, absolutely. And again, my mind was like, boom. Yeah, let's do it, right? And since then, we've become, we stayed in touch. He actually flew out to Texas this year, so I met him for the first time. And again, it wasn't no high fives, big old hugs and laughters. Man, we had such a great time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, all because of that, uh, I told him that I would love to come out to a BSB race, but it has to be Caldwell Park. I mean, come on, man, the mountain course. It's got to be Caldwell. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, we set it up and here I am. I went out and got my passport and all that good stuff. Uh, I even got some British pounds. Uh, my dad brought back to him back back from from London because he he's a pilot, so he flies out there. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait. I don't care if it rains every day. I, it don't matter to me. I just want to be there. I'm gonna have such a great time. It's I want to do a podcast from there. It's gonna be hey my this is where my ADH kicks in, right? Because it's like, I got to be in things I got to do and think of and pack. And, <laughs> man, I got all these emotions going on. It's, Thinking everything. <laughs> right. It's, but yeah, it's going to be, man, just mega. Cause that's one of my favorite words to say is mega. When I say that it's, it's like the best thing you can give best compliment you can give to anybody. It's the best thing you can say about the experience you had. I mean, mega, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? It's mega. Um, I can't wait. Have you? Are you in the British Superbike? Do you, do you ever watch it? So British Superbikes, in honesty, is one of the the the, the one 
segments or one we, we don't follow. The the coverage over here for us is, is we, we actually get very little. It's now and again you can you can find something on Facebook. Um, our, our local people here are called Supersport. They they broadcast MotoGP and they broadcast our local racing and uh, Motor America. Pretty Superbikes, unfortunately, is not something we get uh, too often, so it's difficult to follow and get into. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely something we'll we'll learn as we go along, as we get deeper into into the the motorsport podcasting and journalist and whatever those fun journeys we on. We 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 don't act just enjoying every second we exactly like like you guys we're just enjoying every second of, of speaking to fellow motorcycle enthusiasts and, and and people who just get passionate about it so i'm sure it's something we'll learn a little bit more about bsv we are obviously with all the podcasts we listen to it's uh primarily you know the guys simon patterson and the better boss and all these other guys all these podcasts we can mention them all you listen to them we listen to them so we hear a lot about uh, bsv but like I said, unfortunately, we don't we don't get to see too too much of it. Well, fortunate for you, my friend, I have a link that I'm gonna send you personally when we get off here, where you can go and watch all the British Superbike races. Um, oh, that's great news! Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's uh, yeah. I'll send you the link to it. You'll be able to watch them um and, and keep up with them. British Superbike to me is man, it's one of the best racing organizations out there in the world right now. Um and they have been. And the thing that I love about them is they um man, it's all it's all to the riders, right? So they have very little electronics. They don't have, you know, 50 million tracks control, anti-wheeling, all this shit, right? On the bikes. They have a little bit. Let's say they they have anti-wheeling or tracks control, but it's like setting one, two, and three. And that's it. Or maybe one and two, right? And that, that's it. So they take all the electronics off the motorcycles and they use their own system, their own electronic, their own wiring harness, their own dash, the whole nine. And uh it creates the cream of the crop really rises, right? So this is what I, where I see our future motorcycle racing making a mistake is, and I'll probably get scalded for this, but Hey, everybody's, you know, it's, everybody's got their own opinion is man. We got too much electronics on the man. There's too much going on you got the ride height, Agreed. all this shit, the wings you got, dude, if you look at the cockpit of a modern GP bike, you're saying to yourself, like, I would fucking get lost just trying to keep up with what buttons I'm supposed to hit during the race, right? It's it's crazy, dude. It they needed they need to find some way. Yes, MotoGP is the prototype class. It's supposed to be the the fastest horsepower, horsepower, all, all that. But there's got to be a way to get rid of some of this. Like, and Casey Stoner said it right. Get get rid of the electronics. Tone it down. Have like one or two settings, and, and that's it, right? That's where the best riders will. Still, the cream will always rise to the top, but uh, I think it's taken away from our talent of our youth, um, of the youth. What I mean by that, not here in America, because we don't have that that sophistication unless you're in Moto America, and even then it's nowhere near. But uh, I feel like people, in, in when they get there and they're learning to ride these super bikes with all these 50 billion electronics on it, right? Uh, they're learning to touch, to trust a an electronic system on the motorcycle, right? So I kind of feel like it it takes away from the natural talent in in the feel, if that makes sense, right? Because now they're going off of the electronics all the time, right? Oh, it's got too much track control here. It's da 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 da. No, your track control is right here, 
that this is where your traction control is, right? That's traction control. <laughs> right. This is traction control. So it's it's I see it in a negative way too, right? As far as that goes, but it's also a positive because we all know a MotoGP bike makes probably well over 300 horsepower and the average MotoGP guy probably wouldn't be able to ride it very fast with all the electronics off unless it was Casey Stone or, or you know, Bezzecchi, you know, people like that. Yeah. So. I think, Chris, if you, if I, I might be wrong, but I've heard a lot of interviews. I think if you, half of the grid, if you also MotoGP riders, and I will tell you there's too much electronics. There's too much uh, anti-wheelie. There's too much ride-out devices. There's too much um it kind of and like you say yes it's the prototype motorcycle it's the best of the best but it kind of takes away from natural talent as well um and it, it's something i think we would like to see as well it's never going to happen but just maybe taking a step back taking off those ugly aero wings you want to see the good looking bikes again except making it difficult to pass it's just it looks ridiculous uh, the bikes don't look as good as they used to and like old juan mia says less traction control more rock and roll that's what we want the facts right yeah that you know i've touched on the arrow back back in the past I, dude you're right they need a man i understand the arrow but you know ducati was been the leading thing when it comes to arrow and your rod height devices and they're very very clever that, that's one thing ducati does better than anybody it, the, the cleverness of the company and what they come up with right so when that when everybody first seen the arrows start coming out um it creates a front down force right so it's 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 so now if if i get wings on my front fairing on my motorcycle that's creating a down pressure on the front tire keeping my front tire on, on the ground i can use less willy control if i use less willy control i can use more power therefore i accelerate quicker and yada 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 right so there is pluses and cons to it when it comes to that. Uh, has it made the racing a lot shittier since they've been here? Absolutely it has. Um, a lot of fans like it, but I'm with you, Dion. I hate them. It looks – they look something out of an alien movie, right? I mean, it's not it's, – it's, it's like yeah. a Pokemon. <laughs> exactly a Pokemon, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. – they should, but you know, unfortunately, I don't never see them getting rid of the wings or the uh, anti devices anytime soon because it's got to be a, a mashable consensus of all the factories before they do something like that, right? And a, a, another thing, too, man, is like I, I see where they fail too is testing, and I understand it costs a lot of money, man, but back when the 502 strokes in the early MotoGP eras, man, they were testing all the time. Now they get like one or two tests a year, and, and it hinders the younger kids coming up to MotoGP from Moto2 um, because you get one basically full test. You get one at the end of Valencia. You get to ride it the next day for a day or two, and then you get one test after that, and then it's full-fledged racing season, right? And you find all of the rookies um, get booted out too early. Um, they, they need to stay in there for at least a two-year contract, and not just a one-year contract because you got to give you know these kids time to adjust to these motorcycles because like we already touched on dion i mean you get a hold of them things and be like i don't even know where to begin right i know where the throttle <laughs> the clutch and the brake is other than that i, I don't know no I, I agree with you 100 uh, the 
the rookies, like you say, you think of a guy like Remy Gardner. Uh, I think yeah. he deserved more of a chance. Uh, I can't remember the guy that was with him, a rookie. Uh, his name slipped me now. Also, also losing seat. But the other thing is the, the the struggling factories like Yamaha and Honda. If there was more testing days, these guys would have more time to to figure it out, and it'll be more competitive. But unfortunately, I think, and I'm not exactly sure how the structure works, but with the the motorcycle commission, obviously these guys get a vote on everything, and with Dugatti having eight teams on the on the paddock, ninety percent of the time, whatever they vote is, is is the way it goes, and they're not going to be voting for 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 Yamaha and Honda to get more concessions to get more time. Um, they struggle for how long without a championship between Casey and and Peko. I don't know how many years exactly, 13, 14, whatever, how many years it was. And no one cared to give them extra concessions or help them out. I think that's kind of uh, the, the the attitude coming from, from the Bologna guys right now. But, yeah, you, know, you have to do something. We, we can't lose Honda and Yamaha. And testing is something that will definitely, I think, go a long way in helping those guys stay. I, I agree, right? And it's, yeah, it's, it's such a... Uh the sport costs so much money to begin with, right? Even on a Moto America level here in America, it's, it's retarded expensive. In MotoGP, I couldn't imagine, you know, the cost because they're renting at the racetrack. The team's got to rent the racetrack and have the facilities and, and the, and the engineers and all the people that go along with it and all that. But you're right. They need more testing. They, and another thing too, man, is I, I see where Honda, especially in Yamaha, because Yamaha followed right behind Honda. Um, is they put all their eggs in one basket, meaning Mark Marquez and Fabio, right? Um, where KTM and Ducati has a bite to where, obviously, look at them. There's a lot of fast people on the KTM. There's a lot of fast people on the Ducatis. Whether it's Mooney, whether it's Grassini, whether it's Primac, right, or the factory, it's it's an all-around easy bike to ride. And, and back in the day when Stoner was on that, you could not say that at all about Ducati. Not at all, right? Um it just goes to show how well Gigi and not and and before Gigi uh, turned that company around to what it is today, right? And Aprilia, just look at Aprilia, right? They they didn't do very good. And man, back in two thousand and three, that RS Cube was one of the most beautiful MotoGP machines I've ever seen. It looks so good, but unfortunately, it was a piece of shit. Right, I mean, it is what it is. It almost it barbecued. Is. Yeah, almost barbecued Colin Edwards. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, even uh, shaky burn man. When he got on it, he's like, dude, this thing's gonna kill me. It's it's, but man, it's such a beauty. And look how they turned around, right? And a pre is honestly, beside Ducati, probably the best all around bike on the grid. It does everything well. It breaks well. It handles great. It gets in the corner. It comes out of the corner. It's got plenty of horsepower. It don't lose down the straight. Right, you don't see nobody passing the Aprilias, right? No. Um, but no, I, I think agree. that's where they made the mistake. Is is yes, Marquez was a super alien. He's the one that leveled up from Rossi, right? Because somebody had to level it up, right? So he did. Um, he did things that nobody's ever seen on a motorcycle still to this day. The crashes and all that, you know, shit he's done. But as far as the manufacturer just solely developing the bike around him, yeah, he's been winning all your championships. It is a complete utter mistake, in my opinion, because now look where they are because of that, right? And Mark Marquez just come back from that injury, Dion, last year, and he's been out when he broke his arm. Honda let him on there, right? That was a team effort. I would not let Marquez get back on that bike after he broke his arm 
a couple days or whatever it was, right? No, there's there's no way. Absolutely not. Um, and from that point on, they were completely lost because they have talking. Uh, sorry, that's, that's my dog. No problem. But yeah, I have to agree with you, Chris. If you if you look at it, um, and I think uh, I want to say again, just opinion. Ninety percent of it, 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 it's it's a mindset problem. And I don't know if the Japanese are perhaps a little bit stubborn in their ways of thinking. I know at the time when Marquez went over, he took a bunch of his own engineers, and a lot a bunch of people lost their jobs because he wanted specifically his own engineers, and uh, things were developed around Mark. Um, where the European factories seemed to, and and like you said, Gigi and those guys, the mindset was a little bit different. Let's let's create a good motorcycle rider, so the we can basically, I don't want to say put anybody on it, but if you have a decent rider or a, a bunch of them, you've got a good chance of, of winning a championship. And they've created a, a all-round friendly bike, and that that's the model I think that that seems to be working MotoGP right now. And Aprilia is definitely second, and KTM, I think, is following in that too, because you look at the, the gas gas of Augusto, he finished fifth in the sprint yesterday. So I think the general consensus right now is let's create a very good bike and then put a good rider and the combination will be good instead of having a good rider that just suits that that that, that one bike like Honda did with Mark. And I'm hoping, I don't know the, the, the ins and outs too much, but from what it sounds like, it's a it's a cultural thing for the Japanese. A very I want to call it stubborn mindset where they set in their ways of doing stuff a certain way. And I think they'll have to really get someone like Gatti that with Gigi or someone that's going to come in and help them and take charge of this bull and say, guys, this is the direction we're in. I'm in charge, and this is how we're going to do it. And a factory will need to the, the, the Japanese guys will need to release that control that, that that they want and let a person make a, a, a let a person guide them into a direction and develop a bike that's good for i don't want to say anybody but any talented rider to get on and be competitive on yeah i mean you know and absolutely you're right and we've seen that the history of hondas they've been doing this for that's that's one of the main reasons why valentino left honda in in 03 and went to went, went to yamaha he's like Dude, you know, I asked for this and this and this, and that, that Honda would bring a bike back and be like, okay, this is what we did. And he's like, well, I didn't ask for any of this. This is what I need, and this is what I want, you know? And they don't listen, right? They basically do what they want, like Ducati did in the early stages of, of their MotoGP machine because Stoner was winning on it. Stoner's asking for all these changes, right? So Ducati's just as guilty as it in, in the past um, where they're like, hell, we ain't going to change it because if Stoner can win on it, anybody can win on it, right? Anybody um, why fix it if it ain't broke? But really, the machine is broke. It was the talent of Stoner that outshone that that motorcycle. Plus, you know, Honda's mentality is, uh, you know, you didn't win, Dion, on the motorcycle. The motorcycle won the race, not Dion won the race, right? No, that, that that's not it. That that's that that is their mentality, though. Um, yeah. it, it, which is that's that's where they default themselves, I should say, right? Um, they need to change that motto, but we all know Japanese are they're difficult people to deal with sometimes. Uh, that, that's true. And uh, thinking back to Casey, I might be wrong here, but I think Casey and, and Ducati is, is a very similar story to, to Honda and Mark. It was the odd chance that a specific bike they were developing in a specific direction suited the the, the, the riding style of the champion. Where Casey, the, the speedway style with the back coming out, it really, it really 
dependent. We all know the front end problems that Ducati had for a long time, where even Rossi went over to MO and said they can't get the front front end feel like. And I think uh, Casey must maybe less reliant on that. And their minds were, well, if Casey can do it, why can't, why can't anybody else do it? Why can't anybody else win a championship? But Casey's riding style was suited to maybe not needing that much front feel. And I'm talking now uh, like a, that's exactly what happened. But this is just my point of view, what I think. And I think the same things happened with Honda Mark. Mark's done so well on that Honda that they didn't develop it in any other direction. They thought, oh, the Honda's the best ride on the grid. The, uh, the bike on the grid, but actually Mark's talent combined with that Honda, I think the two did each other, and it's it's outgrown that night. Yeah, you're right. It has. Uh, like I said, that they lost their way when Mark really got hurt and he was off the bike, and they had to rely on, you know, the, the other people riding the bike. But again, the, and this is also my problem with MotoGP and, and MotoGP testers, right? Like, how are you going to have a MotoGP tester that's a second and a half off the pace? What are you testing? I don't understand what you're testing because that second and a half, hell, that three tenths of a second, the motorcycle might cause a different feeling that you're not going to feel because you're not fast enough. You don't push it hard enough. Right. So that way of testing, I understand it. But again, what, what are you doing, Dion? <laughs> what are we testing? We're, 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 we're a second and a half off the pace. You know, I mean, yeah, the clutch feels yep. better. What do you do, right? I mean, what did you do? right. Uh, that, that is very important, I think. Uh, if you look at KTM, and I think a big part of their success as well is Petrosa, because he was at a wild card ride, and I think he finished sixth in the sprint race or something in, in, in Spain. That means he's still competitive. The guy is still out there, and he, could, he doesn't run a second off the pace. So I, I can't remember whether it was Yamaha or Honda that was uh, that there was in negotiations with Lorenzo at that stage to help them and help uh, for him to become a test rider so he can get up. And the biggest mistake there was not taking him because now he was still an actively fast rider. He could have helped develop that bike. And I think what you're saying is so true. It doesn't help you have someone on the bike that's a second and a half slower. Uh, there's a, a few of them, I think, that still has the pace. Someone like uh, Cal Crutchlow, I think, is still very fast. He's still good enough to to be a test rider. Uh, is making a massive difference at, at, at KTM. But further than that, you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't help you have a test rider that's a second and a half off the pace. I agree with you completely. Yeah, it, it don't, you know, and Cal's coming back. Uh, uh, Motegi, is it Motegi he's coming back? Yeah. Yep. So we get to see the great – uh, Mr. Crutchlow back on a bike, which I've always been a fan of Crutchlow, man. He was uh, he was awesome, man. They, they don't make them like that anymore, right? Like him and Colin Edwards. I remember, was it, uh, yeah, Silverstone. Uh, when Colin Edwards was 2011, I think, he was on the Tech 3 Yamaha. And Edwards was up there on stage and was talking trash about Jorge Lorenzo, man. He was like, I think Jorge's gay because you don't never see him with a girl ever at all. You know, like we need that in our sport again. Right. It, 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 now it would be politically incorrect to say. But, yeah, that was. Yeah, it's all we, you should check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we need a little bit more politically incorrect. Because honestly, that's why I, I love Jack Miller, because he always seems like, yes, he haven't said something that crazy it but he always seems like a guy that's on the edge of saying you know what guys just stop fucking moaning just grow up and grow a pair and i honestly feel and again i wanted to want to get too much into politics but uh maybe it's my age maybe it's because i'm a man i don't know who, who knows but I, 
I crave that unfiltered a little bit. The guys just saying what they feel, saying, fuck, this is a shit fight. I enjoy, uh, I have a little smile when Mark Marquez is flipping off his camera there on his Honda. And this afternoon in the post-race match, I actually took a video of it. Uh, they showed, uh, the podium guys was, was watching the recap of the race, and they showed where, where Quattrono lost his front end, and, and Brad stood there, and he said, oh, fuck. And I thought to myself, oh, he's going to get into trouble for that <laughs> on TV. Yeah. But it's 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 fun. It's unfiltered. It's it's real emotions. We need the real emotions. We do. We do. And that's and that's listen. When when people hear riders talk like that and they see the raw emotions, they connect to them in a more uh, human way, right? Um, Agreed. Where you feel like you're you you can actually have a conversation if you met them in real life, you wouldn't be so scared to approach them, right? Because they're they're actually humans and they're real and they cuss and they get pissed off. Um, what 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 I don't like to see a whole lot though, man, in our sport is like uh when riders get mad. And I understand, you know, the the, the tension chance when they go in a garage and they're throwing helmets and boots and gloves, and you know, you gotta be in your situation, man, you got to be more professional. It's just like if you have a bad day and a fan comes up to you and you tell them no because whatever it is you're going through, guess what? You probably lost that fan and probably many more, right? Um, you got to be a professional at all times, no, no matter what you're going through. You, you, I have never seen Brad Bender come in here and be like, oh, God damn it, throw his helmet and gloves and boots and throwing his, you know, fit. Uh, we seen it from Jake Dixon today, right? Um, he made a mistake. Unfortunately, he crashed out. And first thing he does when he goes in the garage is cusses and throws gloves and right there on TV, right? So you got little kids watching it, and they're probably thinking, hey, maybe that might be okay if I'm pissed off. I can go in there and chuck my helmet, and it's not okay, right? Um, it's just my opinion, Dion. That's all. No, I, I agree. I think it's a balance between being, being humble and respecting the people around you. Uh, I think if you if you start to think you're too big of a superstar and you, you 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 get that image about yourself, that's when these problems creep in. And staying humble is, is one of the things, but still saying what you feel type of thing, it, it's, it's a delicate balance. It's easy for us to sit here because I can say fuck 300 times now, I guess, and no one's going to cancel me and not speak to me again. But you're right. And I think some of these guys need to try and remember that uh, one personal fan that's maybe not important, but if there wasn't fans of this sport, there'd be no sport, there'd be no money. The fans essentially uh, pay, pay salary. So you need to try and keep that. And again, it's easy for me to say I'm not world famous. I don't have 600 people running to me every day asking for autograph. And I think it's even nice right. to get irritated. But yeah, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I see that side of it where where that would get annoying sometimes, right? Constantly being asked for a picture, constantly being this. But listen, you should be privileged. You don't when you turn a fan down, you don't think that that fan probably saved maybe for a year or more just to get there, and and that's all he wanted to do. He didn't care about watching the race. The only thing he cared about was meeting you and getting a picture and an autograph, and you just made his life. Like he, he, that was it. If he died 10 seconds later, that's, it's okay. Cause I met, you know, my idol or whatever. So it, it's very important, you know? And, and that's one thing that I love about Matthew Skultz is man, he gives anybody the time or day. A, a lot of the guys do, right. I'm just using him as a prime example. Uh, he'll give you any, any time of day. Of course, if he's actually got somewhere to be, cause he's got to get on the bike in a few minutes or get dressed or whatever, that's different. But 
if you know junior cups out there or 600s out there and he's just standing there or riding his scooter and you holler his name he'll stop turn around come back smile have a conversation give you a picture autograph whatever you want and then remember you the next day when you go and see him right that means everything to me as a fan in the sport right because it shows it shows that he cares not just being a motorcycle racer but he also cares about his fans and he cares you know about humans being at the motorcycle race and being involved in what it takes to build that fan base, right? Because now you just got a fan forever for life, no matter what you do, right? It's the same thing with little kids. He's the same way. So it's it's uh like I said, when I made uh Jorge Martin, I'm sure he's he's pretty cool, but yeah, he, he didn't give nobody the time of day in Texas for autographs, Alicia Spargo didn't give nobody every time I seen him, didn't give nobody the time of day. Um most everybody else did, but there, there, there's a few of them that was just like, nope, not doing it. And it's like, okay, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, that, you that is unfortunate. Say? Yeah. Because I, 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 if you can ask me personally, and I, I can tell you now, 90% of MotoGP fans out there, you tell him if he's a Jack Miller fan, you can spend half an hour chatting to Jack Miller or watching the entire race live. What you can do is you're going to choose to spend half an hour because essentially at the end of the day, we all crave human interaction and that except it's, it's 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 so important. Like I say, someone like, like Matthew Scholes giving you two minutes of his time, that's a story that you will remember forever as a child. That That's something that inspires not to get you soppy, but that's something that inspires the next generation. Someone like a, a a little Peter running around at Kyle Lamy here locally and he gets to meet Brad Binder for 10 minutes and Brad gives him the time, which I'm sure he would. Uh, that child remembers that and he wants to, he idolizes Brad, he watches all these videos and he, he, he and that's the next generation. He wants to ride my motorcycles instead of play rugby. That's how you get the next generation. By being a complete let me say it also it doesn't help it, it doesn't benefit you it doesn't benefit the sport it doesn't be benefit anybody it, it don't man actually actually it hurts the sports in, in ways than than they realize right because uh who wants to go there and, and deal with that right nobody wants to especially parents taking their kids you know imagine if you took your, your boy there and he wanted to meet whoever right uh and they just flat out said no you'd be like Forget him, right? Like, like, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, the T-shirt that I have on supporting him, it's going in the trash bin right now, and I'm going straight up there and buy me another T-shirt. I mean, that's just what it is. So, yeah, unfortunately, that that that, that that's part of the sport. But, uh, yeah, man, listen, Dion, dude, this has been an amazing conversation. We've been going at this almost two hours. <laughs> it it's don't even really seem good. like it, right? Yeah, it's it's been it really good. It so, listen, I'm 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 a, a I'm going to end this video, this podcast here in a few minutes. Um, everybody that watches actually in comments are entered into this drawing to win some free stickers, Dion. So give me one second. L let me pull this up and let me make, make a drawing real quick. I need to figure out how I can um, make this live um, to do this. So, <laughs> all right. And the winner is is do, 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 do. Carlo Baldi. I, I hope I didn't murder your, your last name. So listen, call it, it Carlo. If you reach out to me on Facebook Messenger, um, 
shoot me your address. Congratulations. You won two free pin to gas stickers. Um, and, and I told everybody this, Dion, I have a, the, the very first, I, I'm going to send you a shirt too. So when we get off here, I need your, your address and all that good size, but I have the very first, uh, prototype pin to gas shirt with a new logo on it that I'm actually going to take to Moto America this year and have all the riders sign it. And I'm going to give that away um, at the end of the oh, year. Cool. Yeah. On the last podcast, man. So somebody, one lucky person's going to win that with all the Moto America guys in, in the t-shirt, which is going to be awesome. But yeah, listen, let's do this again. Dion, why don't you tell everybody how they can find you where they can listen to your podcast at and all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, so, guys, you can find us on Facebook. We've recently changed our Facebook name. So our podcast name is You, Me, and Motor GT. So available on all the platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, all the platforms. You can search for You, Me, and Motor GT. And if you look for us on uh, social media, it's Shot Brew Media. So that's our media uh, uh, platform name. It's a little bit shorter than You, Me, and Motor GT. So we recently changed that. So on social media, we Shot Brew uh, that's a little bit of South African slang, which basically just means all good. So Shot Brew Media and then You, Me, and MotoGP Podcast. And then Chris from our side, myself and Sinead, unfortunately, could be here. Thank you very, very much. We look forward to having you guys on our side and chatting a little bit as well. It's It's been a privilege, and we really enjoy what you guys do. And, and thank you for being we, – we, we end it with this chat, but th thank you for being uh, – cool guys and, and and easy to chat with and inviting us on i think it's great for for podcasting and for the sport for all of us to grow so thank you so much for having us we really appreciate it and we enjoy your guys content a lot yeah dion listen i've told you this man dude it's an honor of ours dude it really is and yes do we listen to i listen to your podcast too as well i'm a huge supporter man it's 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 it's, it's what it's about you know it's why we're doing what we're doing build the friendships and and support each other and help each other grow um because i like you want to be just as successful as this as you want to right uh, i want to just to be a full-time job where we get paid and we could be like hey man are you going this race this weekend yeah next week let, let me check my flights i'll meet you in that country yeah we'll do that blah 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 right one day that yeah that's where we want to be at too but listen dude dion what an honor it is again man to have you on i love doing collaborations with, with the same people have the same love and passion for our sport it, it's simply amazing it really is um and we'll definitely do this again um i'd like to do we'll, we'll get together and do a, a year in review on on moto gp and we would talk about, you know, all, all the class winners from Moto2, Moto3, and the GP. Um, so we should get together and, and do that. Um, and I'm looking forward to meeting your other half for sure. Um, sorry we missed her today, but hello, right? Uh, but, yeah, listen, everybody, I, I appreciate everybody that that watches and, and posts and comments. And all the love and support I always get from everybody. Man, it means so much to us. Me and Jules from Pin to Gas and Dion, too. Man, thank you so much. And again, dude, what an honor it is, man. I keep saying it, man, because I listen, it, I really mean it. I really do. And again, everybody, thank you guys so much. Everybody that watched and congratulations, Carlo. Don't forget to, to send me a message so I can get your stickers out there. Listen, if you guys comment and you live in another country, it's no worries. Just give me your address and I'll stick some stickers in the mail and you'll receive them, I guess, in a couple weeks. I'm not really too sure how long it takes, but I promise you I'll send them. But listen, everybody, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Dion, I'm going to end this. Just stay on for another second. We'll chat for a minute. Um, I appreciate it, everybody. Thanks so much for joining in on this live uh, Pin the Gas podcast episode again. Until next time, uh, see you guys later. I appreciate it. Cheers, everyone.